Recorded live. Go ahead with the opener. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Good evening, everyone. This is Friday, August 18, 2017. Welcome to a very special edition of WWS Wrestling Profile, uh, episode number 19 here, ladies and gentlemen. As this evening, uh, we'll be, of course, uh, talking, we'll be uh, throwing out there a special profile, of course, with the news that broke out there, of course, uh, that uh, this man has been under the, an under, uh, big time hospital care uh, to still uh, send our thoughts and prayers to this man, of course, a legendary two time WWE Hall of Famer, 16 time world heavyweight champion. Uh, by far, uh, as of course we've always said here, the man he is, of course, the nature boy himself, Ric Flair. I'm, of course, Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw on the line. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, the man here, King <clears throat> NWO GTS, Gerard T. Smith, 2014-17 and 17 WWS Hall of Famer. <clears throat> also, of course, uh, <clears throat> the man, the myth, and the legend himself, of course, GTS, the man. And once again, I know it was yesterday, but we got to say it one more time. As we have been doing every single day this week, happy birthday there, my man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And, and of course, ladies and gentlemen, we have not heard a whole lot of information uh, uh, other than what we reported earlier this week about the Nature Boy for being in the hospital. Um, <clears throat> but uh, hopefully we'll have some more updates here later on this evening. But tonight we thought it would be nice to run down to a profile of his legendary career. Uh, of course, who is, of course, one that cannot be duplicated. 
one that should I'm sure no one would ever dare to try to do. Um, he has been against the best. He's teamed up with the best. He is he is truly by far the man. And our man right here, GTS tonight, will go through, of course, the, the legendary legendary career of the Nature Boy. And if you want to chime in on anything that you want to <clears throat> uh, chime in on anything that we that GTS has to, has to talk about here tonight on Rick Flair, GTS has the way that has has the has the key. Or you could then come on in and sit back and enjoy the fun. GTS, how can I do that? One seven two four 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 seventy four forty four. The ID number is one four two two four one. Press pound, press one. You could talk to us or listen to us or give us a big woo right now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so, ladies and gentlemen, let's not waste any time. Let's get right to GTS, and let's hear let's hear about this uh, legend, this legendary uh, superstar's career, of course, from as they say, beginning to end. So, GTS and man, take her away. Alrighty then, Richard Morgan Flair, born Fred Phillips. February 25th, 1949, better known as Ric Flair's American professional wrestler manager, retired professional wrestler signed to WWE under Legends program. Widely regarded to the greatest professional wrestler of all time, I agree with that. And the best American performer of the 80s, Flair has cultivated a legend, a legend, Legacy over a career that spans 40 years. That's right. He notes for 10 years with uh, NWA, WCW, WWF, WWE, TNA. Since the mid-70s, he was using the moniker The Nature Boy. A major pay-per-view attraction throughout his career, Flair headlined at the premier annual NWA WCW Starcade on ten occasions, while also co-headlining co- WWF counterpart WrestleMania 92. After winning that year's Royal Rumble, PWI awarded him the Wrestler of the Year six times, while Wrestling Observer Newsletter named him the Wrestler of the Year award named after him, and Luthez a record eight times. The only two-time WWE Hall of Fame inductee, first inducted in 2008 for his individual career, and then in 2012 as the member at of the four horsemen. He is also an NWA Hall of Famer. Flair is officially recognized by WWE Pro Wrestling Illustrated as a 16-time world champion, 8-time NWA heavyweight champion, 6-time WCW heavyweight champion, and 2-time WWF champion. 
although the actual number of his championship reigns varied by source, raising from 16 to 25. He considers himself a 21-time champion. He was a first holder of the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, WCW <clears throat> Intercont- Intercontinental World Heavyweight Championship, was also which he also held last as an an inaugural WCW World Heavyweight Champion, he became the first person to complete WCW Triple Crown, having already held the U uh, United States belt, the World Tag Team titles. Then he completed WWE's version of Triple Crown when he won the Intercontinental Championship. After already holding WWF Championship and the World Tag Team Championships, in his early life, Flair was born on February 25th. 1949 in Memphis, Tennessee. His birth name is widely to he's Fred Phillips. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine? I'm Fred Phillips. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it doesn't work. Uh, although in different documents, he also credited as Fred DM, DME or Stuart Why his Biological parents were Luther and Olive Phillips, the latter of which also credited under Damir and Stewart's surnames. He was adopted, and at the time of his adoption, arranged by the Tennessee Children's Home Society, his father was completing a residency in Detroit. Shortly after, the family set it in Minnesota, where the young Flair lived throughout his childhood. After ninth grade, he attended the Wayland Academy uh, boarding school in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, for four years, five years in total in high school, during which he participated in wrestling, football, and track. Flair trained as a professional wrestler with Vern Gagne. He attended he attended uh, Gagne's first wrestling camp with Greg Gagne, Jim Brazell, the Iron Sheik, Ken Bertera, at Gagne's barn outside of Minnesota in the winter of 1971. On December 10th, 1972, he made his debut in Race, or Race, Rice Lake, Wisconsin, battling George Strap Iron. Gagsy to a 10-minute draw while adopting the ring name Ric Flair. During his time in AWA, Flair had matches with Dusty Rhodes, Andre the Giant, Larry Henning, and Woohoo McDaniel. Flair first competed in Japan in 1973 for the IWE Due to work agreement between AWA promoter Vern Gagne and the IWE after Flair left AWA for Jim Crockett's Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. In 1974, he began working tours in All Japan Pro Wrestling. On April 27, 1978, yeah baby, 78, Flair challenged for the NWA. United National Championship in a losing effort, although the 1980s Flair defended the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in all Japan against the likes of 
Jr. Tenra Riki Shihoshi Jumbo Taharsha Harley Race Kevin Von Erich on October 21st, 1985. Flair Russell Rick Martel in a double title match where he defended the NWA World Heavyweight Championship and challenged for the AWA Heavyweight Championship, but the match ended in double counter. As all Japan withdrew from NWA in the late 80s, World Championship Wrestling became a working agreement with NJPW in 1989. The working lead to a feud between Flair and the Great Muda. United States for WCW on March 21, 1991. Flair defended the NWA Heavyweight Championship Challenge. Tazui Fanami for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship in a double title match. WCW New Japan Super Show at the Tokyo Dome. Fanami beat Flair for the NWA Heavyweight Championship but later lost the title back to Super Brawl May 19th and 91 in the United States. But wait, there's a whole lot more. When Flair left WCW for the World Wrestling Federation in 1991, he continued to tour Japan in a super world sports promotion due to agreement between WWF and SWS. He defended and retained the WWE Heavyweight Championship against Gene Tanrari. I'm probably butchering these Chinese names, I'm sorry. Uh, on September 15, 1992, in a match that resulted in a draw in August 1995 under a WCW contract, Flair participated in the G1 Climax Tournament in New Japan, where he beat Shiroo Kosh Anaka through Machinery Chono last to Uh, the Great Muda on July 17, 1996. Flair challenged Shinye Hashimoto for the ID, IWGP Heavyweight Championship in losing effort in NJPW. Once again, under the WWE banner, Flair continued to Japan basically 2002 to 2008. He successfully defeated or defended the WWE Tag Team Championship with Batista against the Dudley Boys twice in February 2004. On the singles matches in February 2008, Flair Russell, Mr. Kennedy, and Iraq Coliseum, and William Regal in a Bach Hall, both under stipulation he would retire if he lost. On January 2nd, 2013, All Japan announced that Flair would make a return to AJPW for the first time in five years on January 26, 2013, teaming with the great Muda to take on Tash, Tashisami Fanami and Sylvia Sinata. 
This would have been his first professional match since September 2000 loss on Sting and Impact Wrestling. His first All Japan since match in the 87, however, on January 26th, just moments before the start of the event. Now the flight was forced to pull out of the match because of a sudden illness. Later reported he had a badly swollen left leg. Flair was replaced by his son Reed, also ended up getting involved in the match himself, delivering chops to Sia Sonata. In 1974, Flair left AWA for Jim Crockett's Mid-Atlantic region in a or NWA and soon to capture his first single set of one. February 9, 1975, he beat Paul Jones for the Middle Atlantic TV Championship on October 4, 1975. However, Flair's career notably ended with a serious plane crash in Wilmington, North Carolina. That's down by you, right, Chad? That took the life and pilot paralyzed Johnny Valentine, also on board with Smith Wrestling. Bob Berger's promoter, David Crockett. Flair broke his back in three places at the age of 26. He was told by the doctors he would never wrestle again. Flair conducted physical therapy. However, he returned to the ring eight months later, where he resumed his feud with Woohoo McDaniel. In February 1976, the crash did force Flair to change his wrestling technique from the power brawling style, which led him to, to adopt the Nature Boy style where he would use throughout his career. Flair won the NWA United States Championship where he defeated Bonzo, Bobo Brazil on July 29, 1977. During the next three years, He'd have five reigns as the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship, feuding with Ricky Steamboat, Roddy Piper, Mr. Wrestling, Johnny Snooker, Jimmy Snooker, and Greg Valentine, with who he formed a championship tag team. However, Flair reached elite status when he became referring to himself as a nature boy in order to 1978 feud with the original Nature Boy, Buddy Rogers, who put Flair over in an encounter. On September 17th, 1981, Flair beat Dusty Rhodes for his first NWA World Championship in the following years. Competition himself... uh, Flair bore the role of the world championship, sporting bleach blonde hair, jewelry, designer suits, custom rose white, dishing out the trademark chops, figure four leg lock. All the while, Flair taunted his opponents with his woo shout before to be the man, you gotta beat the man. 1982, Jack Van Aro and Flair had a series of matches. Van Aro defeated. Flair for the NWA Heavyweight Championship, but NWA did not recognize this change. 
Flair also rest match with Ricky Steamboat throughout the year after unsanctional title loss place January 6, 1983, this time to Carlos Colon Sr. in Puerto Rico. Flair recovered the championship belt in a a phantom change 17 days later, not officially recognized by NWA, but recognized by WWE instead. Harley Race won the NWA World Championship from Flair in 83, but Flair retained the title at Starcade in Greensboro, North Carolina in a steel cage match. Originally, Flair won the NWA World Heavyweight Championship eight more times as the NWA World Championship. He defended the title around the world. Flair lost the title to race, won it back in a span of three days in New Zealand, Singapore, and March 84. At the time, David Von Erich, Memorial Parade Champions at the Texas Stadium, Flair was pinned by Kevin Von Erich. He retained the title 18 days later in Japan. He regained for two years, two months, and two days, losing the title to Dusty Rose on July 26, 1986 at the Great American Bash. Rose has been ever present foe in Flair's career after Flair helped break Rose's ankle on September 29, 85. However... Flair retained the two weeks later. Defending against points like Harley Race, Ricky Boat, uh, Roddy Piper, Kerry Von Erich, Jay Youngblood, Sting, Ronnie Garvin, Magnum T.I. rose through his career as well. In late 1985, the tag team of Arn Anderson and Ole Anderson began aligning with Flair, who they called a cousin. In attacks against Dusty Rhodes, Magnum T.A., and Sam Houston. A few weeks later, Anderson interrupted Houston's match against Tully Blanchard and three villains combined to rough up the youngster while a message was sent to the rest of the NWA. Shortly thereafter, Flair, Blanchard, and the Andersons formed an alliance, calling themselves the Four Horsemen. With Blanchard's manager J.J. Dillon also coming aboard upon the group's section, it was clear that the four horsemen were unliked and any villain alliance that ever ever existed. The four rule breaker, the four rule breakers, immediately used their strength and numbers to dominate NWA's top favorites, controlling most of championship titles. Over the year, they were victorious creation of the group with Flair and Arn Anderson as the two permanent members, while a number of different wrestlers, including Ole Anderson, Tully Blanchard, Barry Windham, Lex Luger, Psycho Sid, Sting, Chris Benoit, Steve McMichael, and Dean Malenko have also had spots in the Four Horsemen. By 1986, the wrestling promoter Jim Crockett has various NWO promotions running under the banner of NWA, controlling much of NWA territory, Southwest, Midwestern United States. Crockett looked to 
build its promotion around Flair's champion during this time. Flair took booking as champion tightly controlled by Crockett. And a custom championship belt was created for Flair in 1987. Flair and Barry Windham had a series of matches for the NWA championship. Flair... Nineteen and, and Barry. Oh wait, I said that. Flair defeated Wyndham at Crockett Cup tournament. They fought to a time limit in January. Flair lost the NWA championship due to ways in Detroit to Ron Garvin, September twenty fifth, nineteen ninety seven. Garvin held the title for two months before losing it to Flair on November twenty sixth, nineteen ninety seven, at the first pay per view Starcade in Chicago. In early 1988, Rising Star Sting has challenged Flair to a match the first ever class champions Flair accepted. Fought Sting to a 45-minute match, a uh, 45-minute time limit draw in 1988. Booker Dusty Rhodes pro- proposed that Flair should lose the NWA World Championship to Rick Steiner in a short match at Starcade. With no agreement could be met regarding to finish the schedule main event between him and Lex Luger. Rose was fired within the company and former JCP Booker George Scott was given the role as Booker. Scott immediately negotiated to bring Ricky Steamboat for a series of matches on February 20th, 1989 at the Chi-Town Rumble in Chicago. Steamboat pin flare to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in a promoted series of rematches where Steamboat was presented as a family man, often uh, accompanied by his wife and his young son. When Flair posed him in the immortal, fast-living ladies' man, following a best-of-three matches, Steamboat that lasted 60-minute time limit with ended a uh, boot finish where Steamboat retained title class championships. Raging Cajun on April 2nd, Flair retained the title from Steamboat on May 7th, 1989 at WrestleWar. This match was voted 1989's Match of the Year by Pro Wrestling Illustrated on July 3rd, July 23rd, 1989. Flair defeated Terry Funk at the Great American Bash to continue to feud through the summer. And Flair reformed the Four Horsemen with a surprise addition, longtime Sting, to compare Funk's JT Corporation. This led to a quit match at the Class Champions New York knockout, where Flair won. Flair then kicked Sting out of the Four Horsemen to his challenge of the NWA Championship, resulting in a feud with the two latest Sting. Injuring his knee, forcing WCW to slot Lex Luger as Flair's main champ, uh, challenger until Sting returned on July 7, 1990. Flair dropped the title of Sting at Great American Bash after being on <clears throat> after being on the Black Scorpion at Scarcade. Flair retained the title from Sting July 11th. 1991 in front of a near empty house due to blizzard conditions in the New York area.
Those two instead of when Flair was recognized by WCW as the first heavyweight championship, though he was still recognized as NWA championship uh NWA heavyweight champion on March twenty first, nineteen ninety one. Tashu Fanami defeated Flair in a controversial match, Tokyo WCW New Japan show where the NWO recognized as their new champion, WWE did not because Konami had backdrop flair on the top rope violation of WWE rules on May 19th, 1991. Flair defeated Konami at Super Brawl in St. Peter's, Florida, retained the heavyweight championship and retained the WWE heavyweight championship in the spring of 91. Flair had a contract dispute with Jim Hurd wanted to take pay cut. Hurd has removed Flair's head booker with those who wanted to take a. Boy, sorry. Oh, February 1991 to reduce Flair role pr- promotion even further. In fact, the fact that still top draw, according to Flair, Hurd also. Proposed changes to his entrance, appearance, and ring name by shaving his hair, wearing a diamond earring, and going by the name Spartacus in order to change with the time. Flair disagreed with all the proposals two weeks later, or in two weeks before Grand Magazine match, Heard fired him and vacant the WCW World Championship when, while Flair left for WWF. He was still recognized as the NWA championship until September 8, when the title was vacated. I'll be right back in one second. Okay, GTS. And while we take this little breather here, ladies and gentlemen, I will go ahead and remind you, coming up in about over 45 minutes, we will have... Friday edition of the of the Mothership Broadcast, WWS Revolution, King and WOGTS, Gerard T. Smith will once again be hosting it as once again part of our King and W Summer Birthday Slam. Uh, of course, we'll be talking a little bit more about Summer Slam in addition to our rest of news and views and history and birthdays. Uh, uh, also, of course, um, with some time allotted, we'll be, uh, of course, talking about uh, doing some extra special stuff here as well. Uh, so don't miss out here tonight here on Revolution. Uh, coming up here like from 9 to 11, 138055 pounds for that. Blair signed with WWF in September 1991 began appearing on television with the big gold belt, calling himself the Real World Championship. Led by his financial advisor, Bobby Heenan, with his executive because of Mr. Perfect. Flair repeatedly issued challenge to WWE wrestlers like Roddy Piper, Hawk Hogan, wrestling a team led by Piper at Survivor Series in 1991, helping Undertaker defeat Hogan for the WWF Championship on the same night. WCW sued Flair in an attempt to regain the championship belt, but Flair claimed that he owned the title belt 
of $25,000 deposit paid by WWE Championships upon winning the title, which has not been returned to him, and then when he was fired from WCW. At the 1992 Royal Rumble, Royal Flair won the Royal Rumble match, claimed the vacant WWF Championship. Flair entered as number three in the Rumble match in the last 60 minutes. Last in eliminating Psycho Sid with the help from Hulk Hogan, who has been eliminated by Justice seconds later. Randy Savage then challenged Flair for the WWF Championship as part of the double main event at WrestleMania. In a storyline, Flair taunted Savage by claiming he had a prior relationship with Savage's wife, Miss Elizabeth. Savage defeated Flair for the title at WrestleMania in July 1992 as Savage prepared to defend the title against Ultimate Warrior at SummerSlam. Flair missed the perfect by discussed by the two, suggesting they would back one or the other during the match. They actually attacked both Savage and the Warrior, injured Savage's knee, in an injury that Flair exploited to retain the title. The match was Savage on September 1st. His second reign was short-lived. However, he lost title of Bret Hart on October 12th, 1992. Flair teamed with my boy, Razor Ramon, take on Savage and Perfect at Survivor Series in November 1992. Flair appeared in Royal Rumble in January 1993, then lost to or then he lost a loser, leaves WWE match from his perfect on that night, January 25th, Monday Night Raw, in a match taped six days earlier. Flair then filled his remaining house shows comments, making his last appearance on February 10th, 1993, before returning to WCW. Flair returned to WCW as a hero in February 1993. As a result, there was no complete cause to be able to wrestle. So he hosted a short-lived talk show in WCW called Flair for the Gold. Arn Anderson usually appears at the bar on the show set. Flair's made Fifi cleaned or bored gifts. Once he returned action fairly, Flair briefly held the NWA Championship for a tenth time after defeating Barry Windham at Beach Blast before WCW finally left the NWA in September 1993 at Fall Brawl. Bear lost the title, now rebrand WCW Intercontinental World Title Championship to ravishing Rick Rude at Starcade 1993. Flair defeated Vader to win the WCW World Title for the second time in the spring of 94. Flair began a tweener turn, started a feud with Ricky Steamboat, challenged Steamboat to a match with Spring Stampede, which ended no contest from a double pin, causing the title to be held up. While Flair defeated Steamboat in a rematch to reclaim the held-up title at Super Brawl, WWE did not count his victory as a new title win. Flair then challenged Colonel Robert Parker to wrestle one of the men at Senna Lambury, which turned out to be Barry Windham who Flair defeated. Afterwards, he turned heel and took Sherry Martell as his manager. In June 1994, a classic championship, Flair defeated Sting in a unification match, merging the WCW Intercontinental 
World Heavyweight Championship with the WCW World Heavyweight Championship and surfing his heel turn after becoming the unified and united uh, disputed WCW champion Flair Feudal Hogan Hogan's arrival in WCW in June 1904 losing the world titleship to him at July Bash at the Beach but I continue to feud with Hogan, finally losing the Hogan Steel Cage retirement match at Halloween Havoc. Flair took a few months off afterwards before returning as a wrestler, part-time manager for Vader 95, explained on air by having Flair nag Hogan for months until Hogan and Savage both petitioned WWE manager to let Flair come back. On April 29, 1995, Flair wrestled Antonio Inaki in front of 190,000 specular in North Korea at the May Day Stadium and losing effort after a joint show between New Japan Wrestling World WCW. The event was broadcast on August 4, 1995 with a pay-per-view Coliseum in Korea the fall of 95. Flair began a short feud with Arn Anderson, which coming in a tag team match to saw Flair turning on Sting to reform the new horseman with Flair as the leader, Arn Anderson, Brian Pillman, Chris Benoit as members. With the new four horsemen, Flair won the WCW Heavyweight Championship two more times before the NWO invasion storyline began in WCW, with the first being 95, where Flair defeated Lex Luger and Sting by count-out, and then defeated Savage after three, four horsemen ran, ran in the ring. Arnaston knocked out Savage with brass knuckles, thus allowing Flair to pin Savage and win the match. Afterwards, Savage won the title back. Nitro after Starcade, but Flair won the next match, Super Brawl, to retain the championship during the feud. Savage... Savage's manager, Miss Elizabeth, turned against him and became Flair's valet. Together with Woman and Deborah McMichael, they were to escort Flair to matches until Miss Elizabeth took him by the NWO at the fall, returned as Savage's valet when he joined the NWO in 1997. Flair lost the WCW World Heavyweight Championship eventually three months later to the Giant. The feud with Savage continued with the new four horsemen joining the Dungeon of Doom to create an alliance to end Hulkamania. Together, the factions wrestled Hogan and Savage in a triple steel cage and a Hulkamania match, losing to the United Mega Powers. Afterwards, Flair went to win the WCW Unified States Heavyweight Championship, and there were changes to the four horsemen in '96 as Brian Pillman left WCW. And Steve McMichael became the fourth member. Once again, as a top fan favorite player, Flair played a major role in the New World Order invasion storyline in late 96. And throughout 97, he was the other horse, but awful took to the war against Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hollywood Hawk Hogan, Flair challenged for the WCW World Championship at Clash of the Championships, but won only by disqualification in September 1996. Flair and Anderson teamed up with the bitter rivals 
Sting and Luger to lose to the NWO. Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Imposter Sting, and Warren Gaines match a fall brawl when Luger submitted to the Imposter Sting Scorpion Deadlock. In October 1996, two of for effect of four Jeff Jarrett came over to WCW from WWF. Expresses that joined the Four Horsemen immediately gained a fan in Ric Flair, which was the changing of the Four Horsemen. Flair finally let Jeff Jarrett join in February 1997, but the others did not want him. And July 1997 was kicked out of the group by Flair himself. He had enough of instability. Jeff Jarrett's caused the Horsemen also feuded with Roddy Piper Six and his old nemesis Kurt Henning in 1997. After Henning offered a spot in the Four Horsemen, only turned to Flair, Fall Brawl, which Henning, by slamming the cage door in Flair's head. In April 1998, Flair disappeared from WCW television due to a lawsuit filed by Eric Bischoff for non-showing an episode of Thunder in April 16, 1998 in Tallis. Tallahassee, Florida. After the case was settled, Flair made his prize return on September 14, 1998. Reformed the Four Horsemen with Stephen Michael, Dean Malenko, and Chris Benoit. Flair feuded with Bischoff. Several months afterwards, Flair poorly raked Bischoff's eyes during the feud. The match of Starcade between Bischoff and Flair in December 1998, which Bischoff won after interference from Kurt Henning, a former member of the Four Horsemen. The following night in Baltimore on Nitro, Flair returned and threatened to leave WCW, demanding a match against Bischoff. Part of the privacy of the company, the match was made, despite the interdiction. NWO fearing Bischoff's behalf, Flair won, granted his position of president of WCW. This result in a match of the Super Brawl between Flair and Hogan for the WCW Championship, with Flair lost after being betrayed by his own son, David Flair. In spite of his son's betrayal, Flair signed a rematch at Uncensored, which was billed as First Blood Bob Wire Steel Cage match against Hogan, where Flair and Hogan's WCW Heavyweight Championship would be on the line despite being the first to bleed. Flair won the match by pinfall thanks to the bias of the referee Charles Robinson, who counted Hogan out. As an on air WCW president, Flair began abusing his power, much like Bischoff had, favoring villains over favorites, and even awarding WCW United States Heavyweight Championship, which was vacated by Scott Steiner due to an injury to his son David, and resorting to whatever means necessary kept him as the United States Championship. Flair eventually formed a stable of followers, which included Roddy Piper, Arn Anderson, and Jersey Triad to keep the things in order. 
Flair regained as president that came to the end of July 19th episode of Nitro where he faced the loss to Sting for the position. During the course of the match, Sting had Flair in his Scorpion Deathlock, but with the referee knocked unconscious, no dish could be reached. A returning Eric Bischoff came to the ring, began ordering the timekeeper to ring the bell, which eventually did, according to the match. Awarding the match to Sting, who probably gave it up upon receiving it. Flair won his last world titles in his career by winning WCW Heavyweight Championship twice during 2000. Company last full year of operation when WCW was purchased by WWF in March 2001. Flair, the leader, was the Flair was the leader of a villainous group called the Mass Seven. Flair lost the last match to Sting, recreating the second match of Nitro in 1995. Flair was reportedly stated in interviews how happy he was WCW finally closed down, although at the same time the fact many people could lose their jobs saddened him. WWE co-owner 2001-2002. After eight months from wrestling, Flair made his return to WWF in November 2001. Flair appeared to Raw during the WCW Invasion Winner Take All match on screen that Shane and Stephen McMahon had sold their stock in the company prior to purchasing WCW and ECW. Flair's feud with Vince McMahon led to a match of Royal Rumble in January 2002 in a street fight where Flair defeated McMahon. Flair also wrestled Undertaker at WrestleMania 18, I think, in a match 2002 where Flair lost. The corner angle came to a head in early 2002 where Flair controlled Raw and McMahon controlled SmackDown after Stone Cold Steve Austin left. He renamed WWE in June where the program was Flair. A match with a hot hot-headed between Flair and McMahon for sole ownership of WWE, which Flair lost after interference with Brock Lesnar. <laughs> In September 2002, at Unforgiven, Triple H defended the World Heavyweight Championship against Rob Van Dam. During the match, Rick Flair came down to the ring, grabbed the sledgehammer from Triple H, T's hitting him before he's hitting Rob Van Dam, allowing Triple H to get the win. Turning him heel in process, copied Triple H to the ring as a manager shortly after Batista moved from SmackDown to Raw. Flair also began accompanying him to the ring while continuing to second Triple H. In June 2003, Bad Blood, Flair was also was able to defeat Shawn Michaels after Orton struck Michaels with a chair. At the highlight of Evolution's power, the group controlled all-male base championships raw after Armageddon. Batista teamed with Flair to win the tag team championships from Dudley Boys. 
in a tag team turmoil match. Triple H regained the heavyweight championship from Goldberg in a triple threat match that also involved Kane. With the help of other members in July 2004, the Royal Rumble, Flair and Batista successfully defended the world championship titles at Dudley Boys and Heavyweight Championship fought uh, Triple H fought Shawn Michaels no contest last stand man standing match those returning championships Flair and Batista lost the WWE Championships to Booker T and Rob Van Dam at Wrestlemania Evolution defeated the Rock and Roll Rock and Saw Connection in a three on two handicap match following week on Raw during the 2004 draft lottery. Flair and Batista defeated Booker T and Rob Van Dam to win their second and final World Tag Team Championship, while still World Champion Benoit teamed with Edge to take on the World Heavy or World Tag Team Championship from Flair and Batista on April 19th on Raw. As SummerSlam, Orton pinned Benoit to become the new heavyweight championship, the youngest world championship in history. Batista hosted, hoisted Orton to his shoulders that period of celebration the following. Thumbs down for Triple H. They would proceed to attack Orton at Unforgiven. Triple H beat Orton to retain the heavyweight championship with help from Flair Batista and Jonathan Coachman. Orton's feud with Evolution continued until Summer's uh, Survivor Series, where Triple H, Batista, Gene Snitsky, and Edge were defeated by Orton, Maven, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, a Survivor Series match, control Raw after over the following month. In Elimination Chamber match at the New Year's Revolution, Batista, Orton, Triple H were the last three remaining in the match. Orton eliminated Batista with RKO, and Triple H pinned Orton with Batista, with Batista to help him win the title. Triple H suggested that Batista not enter the Royal Rumble match, wanting the group to focus on Triple H retaining the title. Batista declined, entered the Rumble at number 28 and won. Triple H tried to pursue Batista's challenge John Bradshaw Layfield on SmackDown rather than his title. They invoked Triple H plotting a feud between JBL and Batista, showing JBL mounting Batista in a stage with limousine designed to look like Layfield. So the scheme was unsuccessful at the brand contract signing ceremony. Batista did Choose remain on Raw, Triple H, and quitting the faction. Batista defeated Triple H for the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 21. After vengeance, Triple H took time off. Flair turned the face time since 2002 before going on to win the IC belt, and the group was. Dissolved. Triple H returned to the homecoming episode of Raw. Great team with Flair. Match against Carlito and Chris Masters after winning the match. Triple H betrayed Flair and attacked him with a sledgehammer. Flair retained 
The Intercontinental title against Triple H and Taboo Tuesday in Steel Cage match, which was voted by the fans. Flair later lost to Triple H in a last man standing at Survivors, where they ended their feud. At the end of 2005, Flair had a feud with Edge for in the WWE Championship Tables, Ladders, and Chairs match on Raw, which Flair lost. On February 26th, episode of Raw, he lost the IC belt to Sheldon Benjamin, thus ending his reign at 155 days. Flair took some time off in 2006 to rest and marry for the third time to return to June to work program with his real-life rival, Mick Foley, that played off their past animosity. Flair defeated Foley at Vengeance in a two or three falls match and SummerSlam in an I Quit match. He was involved in with Spirit Squad on Raw November 5th, 2006 at Cyber Sunday. He captured the World Tag Team Championship from the squad with Roddy Piper on November 13th episode. Raw Flair, Piper lost tag team titles to Ritter RKO due to a disc problem with Piper. He had to be flown immediately back to the U.S. as soon as Raw was off the air November 26, 2006. Survivor Series. Flair was the sole survivor of the match that featured him, Ron Simmons, replacing an injured Piper, Dusty Rhodes, Sergeant Slaughter versus Spirit Squad. Flair then left television due to his divorce hearing. Flair then began teaming with Carlito after Flair said that Carlito, Carlito had no heart. Flair defeated Carlito in a match. After Carlito realized that Flair was right, Flair and Carlito faced off against Lance Kincaid and Trevor Murdoch in number one contender match for the World Tag Team Championship, but they were defeated. The two teamed up for WrestleMania 23 pre-show, defeated the team of Chavo Guerrero and Gregory Helms. After weeks of contract uh, conflict between Flair and Carlito, the team split up. Carlito attacked Flair during a match at Judgment Day. Flair defeated Carlo Carlito with a figure four leg lock. On June the episode on June eleventh, the episode of Flair or Raw, Flair was drafted to Raw to SmackDown as part of two thousand seven WWE draft. He briefly feuded against MVP Rejoined forces with Batista a few with Great Khali. The alliance, the alliance was short-lived, however. Flair was injured during a match with Khali. After a three-month hiatus, Flair returned to WWE programming. November 26th, episode of Raw, Raw, I will never retire, Vince. Announcing the next match, Flair would lose in retirement later that night. Flair defeated Orton after distraction by Chris Jericho was revealed the 15th anniversary of Raw. That winner retire was only applied in single matches. Flair won several career-threatening matches against opponents such as Triple H, Amaga, William Regal, Mr. Kennedy, Vince McMahon himself among the matches against opponents such as Owen. On March 29, 2008, Flair was inducted to the WWE Hall of Fame as part of Class of 2008 by Triple H. The day after Flair wrestled WrestleMania, 
losing to Shawn Michaels, the match was lured by fans and critics and voted 2008 Pro Wrestling Match of the Year. Flair's fight to keep his career going in 2008. March 31st, 2008. Episode of Raw. Flair delivered his farewell address. Afterward, Triple H brought out many current superstars to thank Flair for all he has done. Including Shawn Michaels, some of the four horsemen. Harley Race, Chris Jericho, followed by The Undertaker, then Vince McMahon, along with the wrestlers. Flair Flair gave a standing ovation to this event represent a rare moment in WWE as both heel and faces broke character came to the ring together. Flair made his post retirement appearance on June 16, 2008 episode of Raw to confront Chris Jericho about his action during a rivalry with Shawn Michaels. He challenged Jericho to a fight in the parking lot rather than an official match. He was ejected from the building by Vince McMahon. Following a year, Flair getting confronted by Jericho on Raw. Jericho was attacking all the family members, and Flair demanded be respected by punching Jericho. Flair appeared a month later to distract him during a Money in the Bank qualifying match. Jericho then challenged Flair to come out of retirement. Instead, Flair managed Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snooker, Ricky Steamboat in a three-way Three-on-one handicap match at WrestleMania and losing effort on May 17th. Flair returned pay-per-view coming to the aid of Batista. Who's being attacked by Randy Orton, Cody Rhodes, and Ted DiBiase Jr. On June 1st, Raw challenged Orton in a parking lot match. Raw interference from the rest of the legacy. The fight ended with Flair being trapped inside a steel cage. Punted by Orton after Raw. Flair left WWE. His contract expired on June 2nd, 2009. Flair signed with Ring of Honor and appeared at the Styling Profiling event in March 2009, clearing the ring after ROH World Championship match ended with a run-in. He soon served company ambassador. His on-scene authority role appeared in television show Ring of Honor in May. After a number one contender match ended, draw Flair announced Ring of Honor Wrestling World Title Match was a four-way contest on November 21st, 19 or 2009. Flair returned to the ring as a villain, and the Hawkamania let the battle begin. Tour of Australia losing to Hawk Hogan in the main event of the first show with by Brass Knuckles. Hogan defeated. Flair again on November 24th in a Perth, Australia. Both men bled heavily. Flair lost Hogan on two training matches on that tour. On January 4th, 2010, episode of TNA Impact, Flair made his debut appearance for the company arriving in a limo later, observing the main event between AJ Styles and his longtime rival Kurt Angle. It was later reported that Flair has signed a one-year deal with the company and the past was openly started with the demands to 
end his career in WWE. However, he has not had contact from WWE since June 2009. Decided to sign with TNA Wrestling after waiting for the call from WWE for six months. On January 17th, a Genesis Flair helped Styles to cheat and pin Angle to retain the TNA Heavyweight Championship. In addition, Styles Flair began managing beer money and Desmond Wolf as a loose alliance on March 8th, March 8th episode of Impact. Hawk Hogan and Abyss defeated Flair and Styles when Abyss pinned Styles. Afterwards, returning Jeff Hardy saved Abyss and Hogan from a beatdown at the hands of Flair, Styles, and Beer Money at lockdown. Team Flair, Rick Flair, Sting, Desmond Wolf, Robert Roode, and James Storm was defeated by Team Hogan. Hawk Hogan, Abyss, Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Hardy, and Rob Van Dam in a legal lockdown match. On the episode of 26, 26th episode of Impact, Flair was defeated by Abyss. And where's Flair and Hogan WWE Hall of Fame ring were at stake. At the result, Flair lost possession to his ring to Hogan. Following a week, Hogan gave the ring to Jay Lethal, who returned Flair respect. However, this is not enough for Flair to attack legal. Along with the members of Team Flair, after Styles dropped the TNA Championship to Rob Van Dam, then failed to regain in the match. Later, was pinned by Jay Lethal. Flair adopted Kazarian as his new protege, replacing Styles as his number one wrestler. On June 17th, episode of Impact, Flair announced he would refer... Four Horsemen are their new name, Fortune, a group consisting of AJ Styles, Kazarian, Robert Roode, James Storms, and Desmond Wolf. Flair made a return to the ring on July 11th at Victory Road, losing to Jay Lethal. On July 5th, episode Impact, Flair faced Legal in a rematch, this time consisting of street rules, street fight rules with the members of Fortune being banned from ringside. Flair managed to win the match after an from Doug Williams. Following week, Williams and Matt Morgan were added to Fortune in the weeks leading to Bound for Glory. Flair's stable's name was tweaked to Fortune to represent the expansion of the number of members in the group. On October 7th, episode of Impact, Flair was defeated by Mick Foley in the last man standing match. On the following episode, Fortune formed an alliance with Hawk Owen, Eric Bischoff's new stable, Amoro. On November 18th, episode of Impact been kicked out, has been kicked out of Fortune previous month. Morgan won the match after Douglas William turned on the rest of Fortune. They were interfered in the match. January 25th, it was reported that Blair pulled out of TNA's Maximum Woo Tour of Europe after missing a show in Berlin, Germany. 
properly apologizing. Flair want Flair wrestled his only match on the tour, defeating Douglas William in London, carrying his rotor cuff in the process. During Flair's time away from TNA, Fortune turned on a mortal. Flair returned to February tapings of TNA. Fortune turned the February 17th of Impact, turning on Fortune during a match between AJ Styles. Matt Hardy jumping into to a mortal. On a March 10th episode of Impact, Flair defeated Styles and Hardy in a three-way street fight. One more two handicap match on April 17th, lockdown, a moral presented by Flair. Abyss, Bully Ray, Matt Hardy was defeated by Fortune members James Storm, Kazarian, Robert Root, Christopher Daniels, who replaced an injured AJ Styles in a lethal lockdown. They used the Ray Flair off television as the following week scheduled to go on a surgery for a rotocuff tear. Flair was close to having surgery to rehab. Flair returned to television in a non-wrestling May May 12th episode of Impact. Flair did not appear again for three months until making the return August 9th tapings, the August 18th episode. Sting challenging him to one more match. Change for Sting, agreeing to this Flair. Proposed to deliver his match was victorious. The match which Flair took place September 15th of the episode. Sidelining Hidden Devlin in ring action on May 12th, Sting turned to have his com- TNA contract terminated, which led to TNA file lawsuit against WWE for contract tampering. And eventually firing Flair on May 12th has been active since September 2000 injury. Flair announced in December 3 that he would never wrestle again. Owing clearly to an on-air heart attack suffered from Jerry Lawler with the matches. Did you want to read some of this chat? Or? Um, um, you've gone through quite a bit there, but um, we can, we can, if you want to stop right there, we can. Uh, well, it's getting, I didn't think this would take as long as it did. Um, do you want to have like a second part to it or something or? I'll tell you what, yeah, um, if you know, just, uh, you know where, where we stopped off at, we'll do it. Yeah, I'm going to write it down right now. Hold on, I just got to get a, uh, pen and paper. I didn't think it was going to be, well, I should have guessed it was going to be this long, but it takes a, a long time to read it, doesn't it? Yes, it sure does, especially, you know, the career he had, yes. Yeah, he had, uh... Because I did one on Sting, and I had to split it in the two parts, so then... Oh, yeah, well, it, it's, uh... uh yeah, sure is. Okay, hold on. 
All right. I have wrote that down. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> well, well, I said GTS. You're you're um, a quick thought or two about so far uh, about um, uh, you know the uh, tremendous career of the nature, of the Nature Boy. Um, like I've been always saying this, and uh, Ric Flair is the man. He always was the man. He always will be the man. Uh, I don't care if John Cena breaks his record or not. Uh, John Cena would not be uh, the man that Ric Flair was. Uh, You know, he used to wrestle like crazy, crazy schedules. Like he'd wrestle four or five times a week and twice on Saturday and twice on Sunday or something like that. Um, And uh, he's the man. Uh, Ric Flair will go down as the top five greatest heels of all time. Without a doubt. Without a doubt here. And like I said, ladies and gentlemen, GTS says, uh, regardless of, of course, right now, John Cena does stand at that record. Alongside, you know. Well, he's going to beat it. We all know that, so that's not yeah. going to be a big shock. But the big shock should be that, uh, well, he shouldn't, and WWE should know better not to break that record because, you know, Ric Flair's the man, and he should be the one to hold that record forever. And now you're going to have John Cena hold the record. And who the hell is going to beat that record? Like, that's crazy. Well, of course. I mean, would you have expected something? Would you have expected Cena to get this far and to be up to the same level, be up there right at the same level as a man who, you know, you know, that had been had been around for like thirty or forty years, been doing this. I mean, it's just amazing. But you know, I would have expected guys like I don't know, guys like you know, HBK, Triple H, Hogan. I mean, you expected guys like that to do it, but well, Triple I mean, H is up there. Uh, yeah. He's at, what, 14 or something like that? I think so. And Randy Orton's at 12, I think. So there's a few guys that uh, that are up there. Now, I would love to see this. This is a... Uh, and this would pay homage to Ric Flair, Triple H. He's still got... I think two or three years left wrestling. Yeah. Let John Cena beat it, and then let Triple H beat John Cena. <laughs> you know what? I say why not? You know, why not? I like that. I I like that very much. But probably won't happen because 
you know, Vince is all for John Cena and everything, so. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. But as they say in WWE, anything can happen. That's but, right. Uh, yeah, that's right. But, but of course, ladies and gentlemen, we will uh, we will get this planned out, and we will have another edition of this. This is, of course, this is number nineteen tonight, and we'll take it as number, and we'll do number twenty as the second half. We'll say <laughs> this will be halftime. There you go, halftime. There you go. Um, of um, second half, of course, of our. Profile, of course, on on the man, the two-time, like we said, WWE Hall of Famer, and, of course, 16-time World Heavyweight Champion, the nature boy himself, the one and only Rick Flair. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, um, of course, we still continue to say thoughts and prayers on Rick Flair. Uh, We have not heard any other uh, updates, of course, as of yet on on the nature boy's condition, Uh, but hopefully we'll have something here but I have something here in the news tonight. We're not sure, but we'll Gerard will definitely be checking in on that, and we'll let you we'll, we'll let you know of something here uh, coming up here in just a little while. So, anything else you wish to add about Mr. Flair there, G- GTS? Uh, no. Okay. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to cut right now for the first half of our profile on the Nature Boy, Rick Flair. Uh, <clears throat> and we'll be back on here momentarily with, of course, uh, with, our, with, of course, our Friday edition of WWS Revolution, King W.O.G.R.T. Smith. We'll, they will be taking the reins uh, as a part of King W.O.'s Summer Birthday Slam. Yes, indeed. That's an, ex- that's an extra special birthday surprise to King W.O. <laughs> yes, sir. And, of course, we'll be bringing the wrestling news and views, history and birthdays, <clears throat> Uh, here and, and also, of course, a few other little tidbits here and there, of course, leading in towards, uh, uh, sure, of course, to, uh, leading in towards, of course, this weekend's activities, which I'm sure the WWE is going to be really, really busy here this weekend. So we'll definitely be bringing you, of course, uh, all thoughts and things and everything going on here uh, for, for, this, for this weekend as well. We'll talk to you momentarily here, ladies and gentlemen, here, of course, on Revolution coming up here in a few moments. But for now... Uh, thank you for joining us here for episode 19 of Wrestling Profile, and we will be rescheduling. We will, we, we will schedule episode number 20, which will be our second half of our profile on Rick Flair. We will keep everyone informed on when we will take care of the set <clears throat> of the second half. Uh, for now, 14 WO GTS Gerard T. Smith. This is Mr. WS uh, Chad Henshaw. Uh, GTS, let's uh, go ahead and get prepared for Revolution. Let's go ahead and enter. Go ahead. All right, this has been another episodic episode of WWUS Wrestling Profile on the Nature Boy. So have a good night. Have a great tomorrow. God bless. See you in the ring. And stay tuned for WWUS Revolution.
it won't end, will it? Uh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. 